this morning um, that is a picture of what I hope my life would be. Uh, Jesus is presented in the eighth day. There we go. Man, we're, we're having a rough morning. So if you missed my opening statement, things are not going the way we planned them this morning. Um, but I want to stop and kind of focus and, and have a prayer with you guys uh, in just a minute because um, I want to talk about what real worship looks like. Um, how many of you, I don't, I'm curious if you have a bucket list, things that you want to do before you die. Um, raise your hand if you've got that, if you've actually done that. Have you, if, if some of you have, have done that, you don't care. Um, a couple of y'all, a few of you. I have three things on my bucket list, that's it. Um, um, I want to go to Jerusalem. I've never been to Jerusalem, um, and it's always been my dream to get to go to Jerusalem. I want to go back to Ecuador. That's on my bucket list. And I want to finish writing a book that I started a long time ago. I want to finally put the end period on it and, and do it just, just for me. Um, that's it. And, and I realized all the things on my bucket list, I've only got three, um, are all kind of selfish. They all have to do with me. This man, Simeon, has one thing on his bucket list, one thing he lives for. And he prays every day. He's coming before God constantly for one thing, and it uses this phrase, the consolation of Israel. He cares about his nation. Now, Israel at the time that Christ came was in a very dark place. It was so dark that civil war had broken out. You grew up hearing about differences between, say, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and that maybe these believed in angels and these didn't. These believed in the resurrection and these didn't. I, I'm not sure how many people know that it was worse than that. There was civil war. Um, that the, the Sadducees had 600 Pharisees crucified on the road leading into Jerusalem in just the century before Christ came. It was a bloody, dark, sick place in the leadership of Israel. And the people that were supposed to be bringing the people as a light of the world, there was great darkness in them. In fact, personally, I think one of the darkest verses in the New Testament is, um, um, oh boy, that sound is going to distract me. I'm getting, I'm going to get focused. I'm I'm here. I'm with you. Um, (laughs) um, One of the darkest verses in the New Testament is when Nicodemus comes to Christ And he doesn't come with, hey, teach me. We do believe that you are the Christ. We do know that you came from God. We do know this. And later on in the book of John, it says that the leaders of Israel recognized he was the Christ. But being public about that they would be kicked out of the synagogues. And so there's, there's this darkness in Israel. And so this man, he's at a point where there's nothing that can be done. We need a savior. We need an Emmanuel. We need a king. We need someone to come. And so I'm going to, if you don't mind opening with me to Luke chapter 2, I'm going to begin in just verse 25. I want to read about this man, Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit. Look how many times it mentions the Holy Spirit in connection to what's guiding him. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts 
When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There are so many deep phrases in this prayer and in this blessing. But first, I just want to focus on this song. This song, and in each one of the songs we're going to focus on this month, the first one is called the Benedictus. Now, I know a lot of these Latin terms sound super religious and ancient, but they're really cool. The Benedictus means the blessing. It's each one opens with the opening line of the song. And so there are four songs that open up the book of Luke. The Benedictus, meaning the blessing. This is called Nunc Dimittis, and it means now I can be dismissed. Uh, now I can depart. And then there's what's called the Magnificat, and we actually sing that frequently. It's one of the oldest songs, all of these, are some of the songs that the early church sang. We're talking about 3rd through 5th centuries. These songs are that old. Ancient, ancient songs. And so we're talking about the songs of the early church, not just the songs, say, here of Simeon. And the final one is called um, uh, Glory in Excelsis Deo, Glory to God in the Highest. Um, but just looking at this song, we're calling Nunc Dimittis here, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now I want you to picture this, imagine this. This man has been praying for his nation. We aren't talking in terms, guys. We aren't talking in terms of the salvation of the world. We're not using that kind of language yet. We're not talking about dying on a cross to be the savior for mankind. All of this is true. But the language you're going to see opening the Gospels is the salvation of Jerusalem. The comfort of Israel. Something that is national. Something I'm looking at right here. What is going to save us as a people? Um, as a nation, I just want you to be thinking about this. Let's just apply this to our own nation. Um, I have to be super careful when I do that, even though it's so important to do, to be relevant. I don't want to step into political grounds because we're probably just as blue as we are red in this room or in every color in the middle. But what I do think is important is that when you look at a nation, say our own nation, and you look at where it's at, some of you remember a different nation 50 years ago or 60 years ago. You remember a different place. I am only 27 years old. And, <laughs> but, when I was, but when I was younger, just in my lifetime, just in my lifetime, I've seen a dramatic change in our nature, in, in our nation, in our culture, and things that are acceptable now that were not acceptable then, and things that, a lot has changed. And the problem is, we think it's political. We think this is blue versus red. And the truth is one thing. Satan has control. And Satan has seized control of a lot of hearts and a lot of minds. And it is a very spiritual battle that is happening even in our own country. 
And this, and the, the resolution to that is not necessarily done on a ballot. The resolution to that is hitting your knees in prayer and praying for a nation. And this is what Simeon is doing, lifting up the people that he loves. It's a complete selfless thing, and it's revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Savior. Now, I want you to imagine this. And this is crazy because I just looked at Jenna holding a baby right now. I want you to imagine holding a baby in your arms, looking into those eyes. The first, the first that we know that did this looks into his eyes. And he knows he's looking into the eyes of the Savior. And he says this. Now I can die. Because there's one thing that matters. Jesus, right here. Now I can be dismissed. I believe this. I believe that encountering a relationship with Jesus Christ is the one thing that needs to be accomplished in this life for every individual. So that you can have the spirit, nunc dimittis. Now I can go. I am so fulfilled in Christ that Jerusalem matters very little. Ecuador matters very little to me. And that silly book I was writing that's super contentious matters very little to me as well. I just want relationship with my Lord. And I'm ready to go. A relationship with Christ is something that doesn't simply happen in a baptism. It's not something that simply happens, and it's something that we develop throughout our lives. It's a walk. This song that we sang this morning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is also one of the most ancient songs in the church. They were singing this song in the, in, by the end of the 4th century at least, into the 5th century. These were called the O Ante. O antiphons. And so the, the church back then would sing antiphonally, which means they would sing towards one another, sing back and forth. And uh, I'm sure it sounded beautifully. But these are the words to the original, what are called the O antiphons. Um, o Emmanuel, meaning O God with us. O Emmanuel, our King and our lawgiver, the hope of the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. O King of the nations and their desire, the cornerstone making both one, come and save the human race which you fashioned from clay. O morning star, splendor of light eternal and sun of righteousness, come and enlighten those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, You open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. Come and lead the prisoners from the prison house. Those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. O root of Jesse, standing as a sign among the people. Before you, kings will shut their mouths. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. O Adonai, and leader of the house of Israel who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and and gave him the law of Sinai, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. O wisdom, coming forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from one end to the other, mightily and sweetly ordering all things, come and teach us the way of peace. This song 
uh, these songs called the, they were so important in the early church that it was a common statement back then to keep your O's. Um, these vows and this relationship with God. Each one of these titles, Emmanuel, King, Morning Star, Key of David, Root of Jesse, O Lord, and the Wisdom of God. That comes from 1 Corinthians 1. Root of Jesse is Isaiah 11. Key of David, Isaiah 22. Morning Star, Malachi 4. They're, they're pulling these, these titles of God and they're saying they're relating to them personally. And it was, it was so important in the church. And here's what's super cool since we talked about an acronym last week. How about this? Whether they did this on purpose or not, most people think they did. It's actually an acronym. Um, in Latin, it's arrow cross. Tomorrow I'll come. And they would sing, isn't that cool? And they would sing these songs. And it's this idea that God is the God that we worship from the past, he came in the flesh. He came as a child. They celebrated this king. They celebrated this relationship. But it's also saying this, the same Lord is our Savior today. The same Lord comes for us today. The same Lord is our king. The same Lord is the key of David, the root of Jesse. All of these things are a promise for us as well and a hope for our own future. I love the way the early church would sing. I love the way they would worship God. It was this intimate coming in his presence. Simeon stood in the presence of the king, looked him in his eyes, and had that kind of knowledge and relationship that he could say, now I can die. My life is fulfilled now in this um, my prayer for us this morning and the blessing we come before God in this kind of worship is to develop the kind of relationship with God, that intimate relationship with God that these are no longer titles, but they are roles of God in your own life, in your own experience. To have the kind of relationship with God where you're, you know what, you remember when, what Paul said when he wrote... Uh, Philippians, and he had said it in Corinthians, this idea that he says, Ben, I don't know whether I'm going to remain here or if I'm going to depart, and I know it's better for you that I stay here, but I love what he says. Oh my God, I want to go home. Oh my God, I want to be with my Lord. I just want to be there. To have that kind of relationship where it says, you know, I'm completely fulfilled here. You can dismiss me now. Um, I want to pray for that for you this morning. I want to pray that blessing over you. Um, worship, the way we worship, a lot of this stuff does not always go as we plan. But here's the beautiful thing about God. The real worship we bring before him is that relationship. It's our walk with him. Guys, if we don't have that walk, it bleeds through into our marriages it bleeds through into our work. It bleeds through into every aspect of our life. And when the Holy Spirit is present in your life and there is a walk with that God, it bleeds through into every aspect of your life. It empowers us with love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. It empowers us to live that kind of life. Father, I just want to come before you and I pray your blessing of peace on us. 
I pray, Father, that this isn't simply a time where we celebrate that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but that we celebrate that the Word dwells among us and that you are our Savior, you are our Emmanuel, and that you don't just have yesterday, you do have tomorrow, and I pray, Father, that you would come. I even pray that you would come tomorrow. But I beg of you, Father, that as a church, what would define us as your people is not necessarily the way a service goes or the way anything that we do up here, but God, the kind of relationship with you that the world sees us and they've come closer to you. Um, Thank you so much for your presence among us and in your people. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.